The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome, Ecclesia. 
Thank you so much for being here today. Join with me as we open our time together in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for meeting us here. May your love and presence permeate this space. Expand our hope, sustain us with your calm and your peace and with your strength. And as we meet you this morning, may you teach us to see ourselves through your eyes so we in turn can see those around us through your eyes as well. We are so grateful that you meet us here. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.
Hello, my name is Mary Hutchison. Ecclesia, as we continue to worship, now we've come to a time of offering. In this season, we remain committed to the work God has called us to do, both locally and around the world. As we each consider our part in the offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and the earth below. You survey your creations and you savor its beauty and you appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand, and we give joyfully with the gratitude of rescued people, and we give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ecclesia family, so good to be with you today. If we haven't met in person, I'm Wayne Brown, one of the campus pastors here. Just wanted to give you a few updates. In case you missed it last week, we announced that we're going to be doing our next outdoor even song where we'll have the chance to gather in person together outside in a socially distanced safe way at 1100 Elder on Saturday, September 26th. We don't have much more information for you yet. That's coming. There'll be chances to sign up and we'll let you know what to expect. But we wanted to make sure that you save the date because we want to take advantage of the chance to get to see each other in person in a safe way. Next, I want to let you know that we've got some more exciting discipleship groups coming up starting on September 20th at 10 a.m. These have been so great as times to connect, times to look at things that are going on in pop culture, whether it's movies or film, or to take some deep dives into the scriptures together. And we've got three new classes coming up. One is that our campus pastor Mitzi Mock and Paul Randall are gonna be co-leading a group together on grief and loss. That'll be four weeks and it is gonna be absolutely fantastic. Next, I'll be leading a group as well. We're gonna do a deep dive into one of the biggest cultural icons in American history, that's Michael Jordan. And we're gonna take a look at the 10 part documentary series called The Last Dance and asking all kinds of questions about what that means and what can be revealed and how God might be speaking to us in that. And then lastly, I'm really excited because our own Steve Turley, who's a professor at the Houston Graduate School of Theology is gonna be leading a course with Julie Ramos. They're gonna look back at some of the Reformation era and some of the splits among the church, but to look at it specifically to see how uh, diversity might actually create an opportunity for unity. And I think that's really profound and timely in the day and age that we live in today. So you can sign up for those now. You just go to the website, ecclesiahouston.org and look for a link, a button that's gonna say discipleship groups. You can click on that and you can sign up for those beginning now. So excited, you don't wanna miss those. Next, I wanna let you know about some updates that we're doing to continue partnering with our brothers and sisters to the east of us that were impacted by Hurricane Laura. Uh, this past week, Pastor Chris and some others have been in Louisiana driving around, doing the hard work of trying to establish relationships and contacts on the ground. You can imagine in a place where there's not power and cell phone service uh, is spotty, that's been hard, challenging work. Uh, but we're excited to have more information for you in the coming days about how we'll be able to partner with people on the ground and make a difference in their lives. Some things that we definitely 
definitely need now are some donations, things like chainsaws and generators and tarps are a huge need there. And if you have the capacity to donate those, there's opportunities to bring those uh, to one of our campuses. We're gonna be starting a sign-up sheet that if you want to be on the wait list so that when we have those relationships and places mapped out, that we can let you know that we're ready to go, you can go to our website and you can sign up to be on that wait list. You can find all that info at ecclesiahouston.org and there's a button that says Gulf Coast Response. You can find it there. And then we're able to do this work and to send supplies and because of your generous donations as well as your continued generosity to give, we're also continuing to partner with restaurants in, in Houston to feed our homeless brothers and sisters in this time. And every single bit of that is because we come together and we pool our resources. And we wanted to let you know that we're so grateful for that. Thank you so much. And if you want to give, if you want to be a part of that, you can do that by simply sending a text message. All you have to do is text your donation amount to the number 84321, and you can be a part of that work and uh, blessing so many people who are in desperate need in this season. Next, you're gonna to get to hear a great message from our dear brother, Pastor Sean Palmer. And I just hope that you uh, prepare your heart as he pauses to open the scriptures and share with us today. Thanks so much for being with us, Ecclesia. God bless. Morning, Ecclesia. It's so great to be with you and we continue to be in this really weird time where all of us want to be together and we're just not, and I'm amazed, and you are too probably, about how our lives have changed so much in the past six months. I, I remember having this routine every time I left the house, I would say to myself, wallet, phone, keys. Those were my three things. Like before I left the house, wallet, phone, keys. Make sure I had those things. Now, when I leave the house, I look around and I look at our girls and we're about to get in the car and I say to everybody, do you have your mask? I've had to add a fourth thing to the things that I have to remember. And, and so I love all of the chances I get to wear masks that demonstrate who I am. So this is one of my favorites. It's my San Antonio Spurs mask. I know they're not in the playoffs. And we decided after 22 years to give everybody else in the league a chance, but I still wear it with pride. My youngest daughter started in-person school a couple of weeks ago. And for her to do that, they all have to wear masks and they're socially distanced. And so we went out and got these pretty good masks and they only last for like two days and then she has to get a new one. But I decided that because I'm that parent who doesn't care about embarrassing their children, that I would make her wear this little face shield too. And she tries to forget it every day when she gets out of the car. And I'm always there reminding her, do you have your mask? Do you have your shield, you couldn't have imagined a year ago that we would need these things, that they're actually part of our routine. Wallet, phone, keys, mask. And if you went to school, you were taught somewhere along the line, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like those things you really need. And it starts with stuff like food, then it moves up to like security and safety, then after that, you need belonging. And somewhere along there, you need esteem. And then at the top of that is 
self-actualization and I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Those are the things that people throughout the centuries studying how we interact with each other, how we live together, that we have determined that people need and what we need most and kind of moving on up. But in these days, these COVID days, we have a completely different set of needs, right? If you are spending most of your days um, at your home, you need some different things. Like here in Houston, we need working AC. That's on the hierarchy of needs. You need good, strong internet. Um, you need an internet provider who's going to be gracious to you. How many of you, like me, are like, have all these Apple products and at the end of the week, they tell you how much screen time you've had that week? After about the second week, like I just turned that off and I said, screens is all we got, but we need them. I got my house to get through all of this. We have needed a lot of coffee. We have needed a lot of patience, a lot of grace, a lot of laughter. It's amazing just in a few months how different our, our needs are. And I find that difficult because I've always had trouble with the term needs. Because a lot of things that people in my life have said that I've overheard people talk about things that they need, to me, those weren't really needs. Those were like wants. For me, needs are things that like we cannot live without, like you will suffer without. I, I remember about 15 years ago, we were visiting my mother-in-law and I fell asleep on the couch in the living room. There was a rule in the house that I grew up in that you could not fall asleep on the couch in the living room if you want to take a nap. You just didn't do that. And so after I fell asleep and woke up, my mother-in-law said to me after I apologized for falling asleep in the living room, she said, that's no problem. You must have needed it. And I was like, that's, that's not a need, at least not to me. Needs are things that you have to have. And I guess I've been thinking about this recently because it came up in my daily Bible reading. So I've mentioned before, uh, I have this habit, this practice of reading the Gospels every morning, or at least some portion of the Gospel. And it's something that's meant a lot to me. It's a practice that I do. I wake up, I make coffee because I need it. And then I sit in my big chair in my study and I just read through a gospel. And it's not particularly um, taxing or complicated. I just start with a gospel and I read until I feel that God has given me something. And then I stop and I pick up in that same place the next morning. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew, and I was getting close to the end of Matthew's Gospel. Actually, I was getting to the very end of Matthew's Gospel. And because I grew up in the church and I have read through Matthew's Gospel a thousand times, there, there are no real surprises in terms of the narrative. I know exactly what I'm getting. I know the order it's coming in. I know who says what, who's going where, everything that's going to happen. And so I knew. This passage right at the end that we call the Great Commission was coming up and it was for that day. And as I was reading it, I had a question. You may not remember 
what the Great Commission is. But after Jesus is dead and buried and resurrected, he spends some time with his disciples. And it gets to be that time where he needs to go, where he's ascending, he's going back to the Father. And so he leaves them with some parting instructions about what he expects, what he wants them to do, how he wants them to handle themselves. And this is what Jesus says at the end of Matthew. He says, I am here speaking with all the authority of God who has commanded me to give you this commission. Go out and make disciples in all the nations. Ceremonially wash them through baptism in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then disciple them. Form them in the practices and postures that I have taught you and show them how to follow the commands I have laid down for you. And I will be with you day after day to the end of the age. Now I've read that my entire life and I have heard a lot about it. And as I was reading Matthew's gospel and I get to this great commission and Jesus says, go out and make disciples. I thought, who needs this? Like right now, right now where we have got friends in Louisiana who are recovering from a hurricane. Right now, when there is a global pandemic right now, when so many things in our world are so unlike we would want them to be, and we know unlike God would want them to be. And guess what? We can't go out, or at least we can't go out very often or go out to very many places. Like the only thing open is nothing. Go out and make disciples. As I sat in my chair that day, I started thinking about why this word from the Lord just didn't sit with me. And then I was reminded that maybe the reason it doesn't sit well with me is because I'm not hearing everything that Jesus is saying. Because when I hear Jesus say, go out and make disciples, I, in a moment, am flashed back to when I was a little kid and there was so much pressure in our church and at revivals and other places to basically convert people. And if you didn't do enough converting of people, if you didn't do enough door knocking, if you didn't do enough twisting people's arms, then somewhere along the line, some preacher would show up or some Bible class teacher would show up and they would give you a lesson on the Great Commission and say, Jesus said, you need to go out and make disciples. And I never liked it when people showed up at my house to do that. It always felt coercive, like I was being strong-armed. I don't like it when people do it now, if for one reason or another, we don't have a laser-like focused kind of agreement on one particular aspect of God or the Bible. It's not that there isn't room for me to grow, and it's definitely not because there aren't people in the world who need to come to Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. But maybe the people that I learned from, maybe the people you learned from were kind of like me. And they didn't read the whole thing. 
Because what Jesus also says is that we should disciple them. And I know for a lot of us, that brings up images of sitting in a classroom, like a seminar or something somewhere. But when you read the rest of the New Testament, that's not actually what the disciples did. There was a lot of teaching and teaching is important. One of the things that I love about being a teaching pastor is that Jesus is called teacher more than he's called any other thing in the gospel. It is a high honor. But they also had people walk alongside them and learn from them as they did things in their life and in the world that Jesus would do. And so I started thinking about the people who actually discipled me about my mother and my grandmother who taught me patience and determination and a love of God, daily habits of seeking God, not because they ever sat down with me and showed me how to do it and made me check a box or fill in a calendar, but just because they did it. I had the great honor of having a youth pastor when I was in junior high and high school who really did teach me a lot of things, but what I learned from him most was how to celebrate and raise daughters because I got to see him do it and the way that he loved his two girls. I think about the people who discipled me it's moms and dads who sit down with their adult children and have really difficult conversations. It's people who wake up every day with the simple motivation to serve others, getting their hands dirty and being with people that so many in the world don't want to be around. I think that's what Jesus means to make a disciple is to live in such a way on purpose deliberately in such a way that people come to see Jesus in you in me and want more of that and Ecclesia I know we live in a time where things can just be overwhelming. Kids doing schooling at home while you've still got meetings to go to. People are losing their jobs. And sometimes you flip on your worship service on Sunday morning and you hear about another thing that God might be calling you to and it just seems overwhelming. And in the chair that day, I realized that what, what sustains us, what is core to our faith, is this simple idea of being God's people in the world. 
And so in this little passage, Jesus, Jesus leverages two things. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, I will be with you always. And I think even now in a time of distancing, maybe the greatest service we can do for one another is just to be with one another. I know a lot of us have endured a lot over the last six months, eight months. At the very beginning of all this, a friend of mine named Sarah was diagnosed with breast cancer. I've known Sarah since she was 18 or 19. She's a mom, great husband, great kids, too young to have breast cancer. And as I watched her on social media go through all of the things that those of you who have been on that journey and through that journey know all too well, what I was taken with were the pictures of her sitting time and time again, receiving her chemotherapy treatments next to a window. And outside that window, every day that she was there, different people showed up in their mask with their lawn chairs to sit with her. And I don't know everything that's going on in your life right now. But when I read Matthew 28, what I hear Jesus telling me, maybe now more than ever, is that if you want to be my disciple, the gift you give is presence. The gift I give you is presence. The thing that you can count on, the thing that you need, and what you need to become is the one who is with others. Let me pray for you. God, would you give us eyes to see the spaces where you have called us to be with one another? And Lord, we know that it's going to take some creativity and we trust that you will grant it to us. In the same way we are with our friends and our loved ones and our children and our parents, be with our friends in Louisiana and our homeless friends on the street, that we would just be the people who are with. And by doing so, we could live out the Great Commission. And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, now is the time in our service where you get to accept the invitation to feast at the table of Jesus. Every week we come to this table to remember the incredible sacrifice 
motivated by love that Jesus made for us on the cross. We've been told in the scriptures that everyone should examine themselves before they come to the table. And as I lead us in this confession prayer, I'm going to do it a little bit differently today to give us some time to really consider where are the ways that we missed it this week? What are the things that we have to confess? And so I'm going to read just phrase by phrase and offer a pause between so that you have time to consider what is going on in your heart and to confess that to God. Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. Sisters and brothers, join me in this next part. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Ecclesia, I hope that this has been a time for you to do that examination of your heart. And I hope that you have already experienced the forgiveness that God has for you. And so now we come to the table. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Taste and see the forgiveness and redemption that God has for you. Spirit
and good morning, Ecclesia families. My name is Hannah and I'm part of our family ministry team. I just wanted to give you guys a quick update on what we have started to do on Sundays. We are having kids uh, small groups at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday that we are just loving and we get to connect with your kids. So if you guys would like to be part of that, please go to our website and go to Children's Community Groups for more information on that. And now we will pray over our amazing kids. God, we are so grateful that you are in charge. There's a lot of change in our lives and it can be scary. We know that you are in charge of our change. We know that you are working things out for our good. We ask you to give us patience to wait for the good things you are bringing us and gratitude when we receive those things. We love you. Amen. Jesus came upon a blind man in Bethsaida. He put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, asking the man, can you see anything? And the man looked up and he said, I, I can see people, but they look like trees, walking trees. And then Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And so Lord God, may each of us in our own spiritual nearsightedness be granted that second touch. Though the ills of this world may so often cloud and distort, grant us clarity bringing your world and the beloved with whom we share it into vibrant focus. Grant us eyes to see. Ecclesia, may God be your vision. Always dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.